0: Okay, thank you. Now this is podcast session 2 on the immune system and immunopathology and we continue on this presentation from slide 6. Oh sorry, slide 7 and we look at the the, the most important thing uh, to understand and that is the two types of immune lines of defense or immune processes. Uh, There are two uh, main lines of immunity and that is firstly a natural or innate immunity and that is the left side. If you look at the left side of the slide it looks at what are the cells in the natural and innate immunity and two on the right side of the slide what we call an acquired or adaptive immunity. The first, that is on the left side of the slide, the natural or innate immunity is inbuilt. Innate means inbuilt. We're born with it. It has always been there, and it's the first line of defense against any infection. Uh, it always always works for any invader antigen, and it it starts immediately or within hours of the antigen exposure. It's the principal one in the body, um, and it's always there. The second, or what we call acquired or adaptive immunity, is a learnt process, and it's seen only after an initial exposure of an antigen. To an antigen, and is also very focused and specific to a particular antigen or infection, and slightly delayed, slightly delayed. So, whilst the uh, innate or natural immunity is 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 effective against any exposure, any antigen, um, the Adaptive or second acquired uh, later later immunity is very specific to a particular antigen to uh, to a particular invader, and and it's also dependent on the memory from the first infection. We're talking about infections here mainly because it's probably the the main kind of. Um, uh, antigen process that invades the body. Now, whilst we describe both these um, immune responses, the natural or innate immunity and the acquired or adaptive immunity, whilst we deal with them as separate entities, they actually work together, very much together. The acquired immune later response being dependent upon the natural initial immune response and the natural immune response being necessary, absolutely necessary to initiate the acquired adaptive response that comes later. Now, this slide just looks at the cellular components of the, uh, we'll have to come back to the slide, of the two immune responses on the left and the right side but let's look at the next slide first to summarize what we've actually said we're looking at slide eight now um, uh, and on the left side of the slide we see the innate response being inbuilt being there from the start it's a first line of defense Non-specific. That means it, it it addresses and attacks and um, forms a barrier to all and any antigen, whatever its nature. It begins immediately within hours. It ceases once the infection's over. The six system is an active system. It kicks in each time and every time for every infection, and it's somewhat of the same response intensity. Uh, so long as one is healthy uh, each time for the same infection or at subsequent times. The adaptive response is an acquired uh, response after a, an initial phase, first exposure. It's the second line of defense and very specific for a particular or, or antigen for a particular microbe or germ, and it's the basis of our immunity that we, we 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 acquire when we acquire an immunity it's the basis of that whether we acquire the immunity from our own antibodies after we recover from an infection or whether we acquire the immunity from a vaccination or what we call an immunization. it uh, The adaptive um, acquired response begins about a day but persists for will, about a day after an infection but persists for very long a variable period, sometimes months, sometimes years, sometimes lifelong and It's a reactive system. It kicks in only once it is initially sensitized at an earlier infection. Um, And uh, so, summary then. Two systems working together, but slightly separately. Looking just at the innate response, that's the innate or natural response, Uh, we see that it's composed of... uh, uh, contributors by the physical barriers of the body: the skin, the mucous membranes themselves. They are they are they are barriers because the skin uh, is the physical barrier, but the mucous membranes also a physical barrier with its secretions. Whether it's the mucous membranes of the mouth, the eyes the nasal secretions, nas- nasal mucosa, the, in- the full length of the intestine, etc., and even the ge- urogenital tract. Those are uh, mucus barriers, uh, mucus membrane barriers. Now, when we talk about them, those barriers being secretory barriers, we talk about them being able to freely uh, secrete mucus now what why is that important the free secreting mucus whether it's from nasal secretions for the mouths from tears whether it's from the GIT in a vomiting or diarrhea uh, picture or whether it's from the gastro uh, the genital tract with a uh, in the female the vaginal discharge etc those are intended discharges are intended to get rid of um, uh, infective substances or contaminated materials. So that's the function of discharge to, uh, so the, 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 to get rid of um, uh, of infection. And that is why, for example, with a child with diarrhea, doctors will say, no, let the diarrhea continue, don't stop the diarrhea, rather replace the fluid by lots of uh, drinking of water or sometimes in a hospital, IV fluids, because the diarrhea is important to uh, shed, shed all the infective agent or the bacteria or the virus as much as possible. And then, of course, in these secretions, there uh, are active chemical substances uh, such as lysozyme, which is a digestive enzyme. It'll digest, it'll engulf and break down bacteria. Complement, we'll talk about complement later. It's, uh, it's a weapon created by the action of proteins to, to kill bacteria. And, of course, interferon is an um, antiviral Uh, agent produced by certain cells of the body and of course uh, you get active chemicals uh, further secreted by immune cells both in secretions and in the blood and include things like cytokines such as TNF, tumor necrosis factor and interleukins, the chemokines that help to create the necessary inflammation, such, uh, such as redness, uh, uh, warmth and swelling and pain, all important aspects of inflammation, as well as the runny discharges. And I spoke earlier about complement proteins being able to uh, l- rupture the cell walls of bacteria and kill them. We'll come back to complement very shortly. And then we go on to the cellular elements. Uh, We continue on slide 10. Uh, The cellular elements of the innate response include uh, the phagocytic cells. Um, These are the effector cells uh, that we spoke about earlier, and they include neutrophils and macrophages and dendritic cells. And these cells have the ability to engulf or to... Consume or to gobble up or to um, suck up uh, microbes. That when I talk about microbes, I mean infective agents, antigens, bacteria, and viruses, and uh, and kill them. And it all and the innate response also includes the actions of mast cells and basophil cells. Um, these are uh, cells that contain granules of very um, what we call vasoactive substances—they are responsible for inflammation and dilatation of blood vessels. That's why we say vasoactive. And what that does does is produce all the inflammation and swelling in a, an allergic response to a foreign protein, and also to 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 uh, certain parasitic. Uh, substances, parasitic antigens such as um, uh, protozoa and worms, etc. Notice in the innate innate response, we don't really talk about lymphocytes because they are largely only featuring in the um, secondary acquired adaptive response. Just three things to note here, the innate response. Number one, the innate response is extremely crucial. It's a first and main line of defense. It may often, number two, may often overcome a mild infection on its own, but it is essential to have, thirdly, essential to have the natural innate response to start with, to create the immunological memory that's essential for the adaptive acquired response. And now in slide 11, we look at the adaptive response. As I mentioned, it's a second line of defense and reinforces the innate response at the first infection. But more importantly, at the second and subsequent infection, it exerts a very strong immune response to the same pathogen with the B cells, with the the lymphocytes being the active cells in the in this response in the secondary response the b cells producing multiple specific antibodies that kill the extracellular uh, freely circulating antigens and the t cells having uh, cytotoxic and helper functions that kill that are responsible for killing Amongst other things, for killing intracellular uh, uh, substances um, uh, viruses and bacteria that are hiding within cells uh, but it 's important that the uh, lymphocytes have been primed by apcs or antigen presenting cells that are uh, that carry the memory from the first infection now. It's important to understand, as again, as to mention again, that the adaptive response is the principle of immunization by giving a patient a vaccine. And what we do when you give a patient a vaccine, you don't give a live virus or bacterium to the patient, but you give a non infective part of the virus or bacterium like its outer jacket or capsule or its for, for virus or its cell membrane for a bacterium and the body recognizes this this portion uh, non-infective portion of this pathogen as being an infection in inverted commas and this stimulates the adaptive immune response to produce both antibodies and um, sensitized T cells that uh, that retain this memory sometimes for months or years depending upon the vaccine and the antigen um, and, uh, some antigens some sorry some vaccines to for example um, um, uh, whooping cough or um, Uh, diphtheria uh, may retain its, uh, uh, may sustain immunity, create immunity that can last for many, many years. But some, for example, uh, the tetanus vaccine, every now and then requires a booster. So, vaccines are all um, uh, variable. For the coronavirus infection, we're still learning How long and how effective would be both the natural antibodies that we produce once we recover from the coronavirus infection, and of course those that will be produced when we, if if and when we have a vaccine, Um, it may be several months or it may be several years. If it's if it's only several months. We might have a problem. We might have to look for more, a better vaccine that will produce a longer immunity. And if it's for several years, we might find that much like the common flu, we might require every now and every every year a new um, uh, uh, coronavirus vaccine uh, available and uh, to be to be taken like we do the flu vaccine every year. Slide twelve, just illustrates to an extent um, uh, the way t-cells are sensitized and it shows that the t-cell itself the f- we're looking at the image in the central portion of the slide the images you can see that the t-cell itself cannot cannot uh, um, receive an antigen or create a memory in the in the second image Uh, you'll find that it has to be an antigen-presenting cell like a dendritic cell or macrophage that will swallow up and engulf the antigen, kill kill the antigen and uh, fragment it and present that antigen fragment to the T cell to be sensitized in slide 13 we look at briefly at antibodies we talk about antibodies but we um, need to understand what it's made of the antibodies are of five types they are they are immunoglobulins so we call them of those five types either immunoglobulin A or IgE or IgM IgG or IgD now, they, each of those immunoglobulins have um, a s- s- two smaller binding sites that bind to the antigen uh, virus or bacteria or protozoa, and a larger binding site, what we call a heavy chain, that binds to the uh, phagocytic cell. So what, what antibodies do is they bind to antigens on, on one side, and then they bring them to the phagocytes bind to the phagocytes on the uh, to a uh, single phagocyte on the other side and uh, and and allow the phagocytes to to consume or engulf the the antigens so the, so these are very very effective antigens only work the, they they're circulating in the bloodstream and in the in the secretions and the tissue fluid now uh, antigens uh, IgG and IgM are probably the most prevalent types, IgM being seen in the early infection uh, stage and IgG seen later on. IgG is most important because that's the one that's uh, responsible for for most of the immune response and the resistance and the and the immune action against antigen. But if you see IgG in a blood test, then you know this is an advanced infection, advanced stage. IgM is only seen in the early stage. IgA is seen in epithelial secretions, whether nasal or intestinal or vaginal or or eye fluid or eye tears. They're freely found in those secretions. So therefore, The secretions are antibacterial and antiviral because of these uh, IgA uh, um, antibodies present in the secretions. IgE is an antibody only produced in allergic reactions uh, such as hay fever, asthma, and also with parasitic infections. And IgE is responsible for acting together with mast cells and basophils to produce to release the granules that that are responsible for creating the uh, the inflammation of allergy and parasitic infections. IgD, we still not sure what the uh, role is. As mentioned earlier, we're looking at slide 14. Complement is a set of proteins that are present in an inactive form. And when there's an infection and uh, a protein is activated by the... A complement protein is activated by the infection, the the this protein activates other complement proteins in a very rapid chain reaction, producing a, a full-scale check of these proteins, uh, activation of these proteins, sorry, all the activated complement proteins uh, form Protein complex complexes, and with the specific capacity to attack and break down bacterial cell walls, as well as a few viruses. That's the chief function. But also, in coating the bacteria the antigen with with uh, its um, uh, complement proteins, it allows the phagocytes also to to engulf and ingest and kill the the antigen. And of course, uh, finally, uh, the third uh, function of uh, complement. And it acts as messengers to attract other immune cells to the site of the battle and kill off more organisms. Finally, in this podcast section two, you've got uh, humoral and cell-mediated immunity, uh, just statements of the two different types of uh, uh, immunity uh, where with the work of antibodies, which attack and neutralize pathogens that are extracellular in f- in blood tissue fluid and lymph this is called humoral immunity and therefore it is uh, operational in both the innate and ab- adaptive responses while cell mediated immunity is resp- uh, is, is, refers to mainly the work of T cells that work against intracellular uh, pathogens. Remember that viruses and bacteria that get into cells, uh, are hidden from the, uh, antibodies. So the only things that can attack them whilst they h- hiding inside cells are, are the lymphocytes, CD8 and cd4 cells especially the cd8 cells therefore this cell mediated immunity is mainly um uh, operational in the uh, in the uh, cell in the in the delayed or adaptive immunity, immunity acquired immunity okay that that that's the principles of the functions of the immune system in these two podcasts podcasts one and two and now in the next podcast and the last and the fourth one, the third and fourth one we will deal with the immune system when it becomes faulty or becomes damaged or defective. Thank you.